Chapter Three of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. March in Broadland. Let me live harmlessly and near the reedy brink of Broadland waters, have a neat thatched dwelling place where I may see my dancing quill or cork down sink with eager bite of bold bright perch or rudd or dace adapted from walton spring is now but a short way off us and between the bursts of wintry weather which the storm king flings over the face of nature she essays to put on a cheery smile in one of these sunnier moods of nature we are tempted to venture broadwards for a turn amongst the perch for our lines and rods have been idle these many months and perch are becoming hungry lobworms have been difficult to procure but patient searching has not been unrewarded angling in my judgment says old isaac deserves to be commended naively adding in effect that there are no practices that deserve commendation but may be justified sir henry wootton one of walton's piscatorial friends used to tell him angling was after tedious study a rest to the mind a cheerer of his spirits a diversion of sadness a calmer of unquiet thoughts a moderator of passions a procurer of contentedness and that it begot habits of peace and patience in those that practised it but contemplation may do for warmer days when sport is uncertain action and brisk sport are necessary to proper enjoyment in the chillier days of march there is pleasure in preparation and in the very anticipation of it we are in a very short time whirled from the busy town into the heart of broadland we noted little difference in the fields and market gardens through which we were hurried certainly the farm labourers seemed somewhat busier than in february for the sowing of oats and barley is claiming the attention of the farmer the strange antics of a lad in one field did attract our notice but we were beyond him ere we could make much out of him it was evident the proceedings of a crowd of great birds that blackened the field were not to his satisfaction and to frighten these away was undoubtedly his intent as we wend our way through a lane we witness the self-same thing repeated and upon the light wind is borne a noisy clapping sound and the words of a strange weird ditty cadders and crows take care of your toes for here come the clappers to knock you down backwards so hello coo it may be that the sable birds are laying claim to a few of the seeds that fell by the wayside as their ancestors did in the days when the god-man taught the people in parables 
christ was a keen observer of bird life and who can say that he did not teach many a lesson from their ways and doings that are not recorded in the book seeing us lagging by the gateway the crow boy sidles up and wishes us the seal of the day accompanying a rough clumsy bow with a good-humoured grin with an eye open to a largesse the norfolk equivalent to the eastern bakshish he allows us to examine the grotesque implement which is supposed to put terror into the hearts of the so-called crows which are in reality nothing more than harmless grub-eating rooks we find it constructed of three pieces of thin wood oblong in shape the centre one being lengthened into a handle the two outer pieces are loosely tied by strings at their lower ends which go through a couple of holes in each when shaken a loud rattling sound is produced and so you scare crows my lad we query well ball he replies i'm trying to a little scarin don't harm why don't i shoot some on em and hang em up to scare t'others you can't persuade old farmer giles to do nothing of the kind for i heard him say too as how when he were young he knocked em over always and what did it do why his crops were simply spiled with the wireworms and other critters the rooks are fond on do you see them white birds hinder them seamales or gulls they're the masterpiece birds for picking up worms i ha seen em so full of em as they couldn't scarce fly do i know a rook from a crow i should jest think i do they ain't the same at all rooks prog together in flocks crows don't crows ha got brussels or bristles round the top bake or up a mandible and rooks ha got white skin on instead crows like date things better'n grubs and corn and taters do i like the job well i don't mind it there ain't a sight of hard work about it thank ye sir but i must be a gone yinder rooks are settlin athwout the field and master'll wonder if i'm clean gone to sleep or if i'm shanny our merry crowboy slouches away repeating his clapping and his merry refrain he appears an intelligent lad for such brainless labour and withal seems contented with his lot he is not the lout his fathers were for the days of compulsory education had dawned not in their time the yokel reads and thinks to-day and is not the serf in body and mind to the squire and parson as he was a generation or two ago whilst the squire and parson are more tolerant and broader-minded than many of their predecessors were it is well that larnan does not drive all the lads from the plough-tail and make them discontented with the dull monotony of an agricultural life our crowboy may be tempted in the autumn like many of his class in this district when harvest is over 
to join a fishing crew and pursue the north sea herring fishery and will he be acting contrary to the instincts inherited from his forefathers the old vikings who were fishermen and farmers as well as warriors it is a glorious march morning the blustering winds that ushered in the month have dried up much of the moisture february left behind it the sun has forced a passage out between the clouds that obscured his face earlier in the day and his rays are lighting up the lane ahead of us with the weight of paraphernalia we are carrying for we are laden with the trappings of the angler we can easily believe old sol is gaining strength indeed the perspiration is standing in little beads upon our foreheads there are no conveyances here from the station to the broad until the warmer days shall lure larger numbers hither it is ten minutes since we rested by the scarecrow's gate let us sit a moment or two on this grassy bank a startled thrush dashes out of the hedge hard by us see it has already built its rough clay-lined nest there are a couple of eggs within it a pair of chaffinches on the tree behind us are choosing a site for the erection of theirs hey oh here's a little violet peeping out from the bankside and another how beautiful they smell it was the scent and bright blue that betrayed them daisies dot the sward with their pearly faces and in the hole or ditch beneath the blackthorn are some pale yellow primroses which contrast strongly against the dark green leaves that sheltered them while they were yet unfolded those golden flowers nearer the water are the starry petals of the pilewort the humble bee has ventured out the catkins on the sallow upon our right have attracted several of these droning insects the leaves of the honeysuckle in the hedge appear ready to unfold in the field beyond the young grass has carpeted the soil with brightness there goes a rabbit and another how the merry things frisk and gamble a small flock of wood pigeons loudly smiting their pinions pass overhead in hurrying flight but for our presence which they observe not until close upon us they would most likely have dropped down in the wheat-field behind us for a dinner of the young sweet blades what wild shy birds they are and notwithstanding the constant persecution to which they are subject they seem yearly on the increase here quietude and motionlessness are two great essentials to observation and if the naturalist would insinuate himself into the good graces of nature he must bring both qualifications into exercise note that hare hither it comes limping along the road ah your movement caught his quick eye and with a hasty bound he has darted through the hedge how strange it is and when unsuspicious of danger 
the hare sometimes keeps straight on and almost runs himself into it the position of his eyes may account for his not seeing so well ahead as on either side of him did you observe that small brown head peering above the bank there it is again it is a stoat he has scented the unlucky rodent and has already got upon his track so pertinaciously does the stoat keep upon the trail of an intended victim that we may be almost certain poor puss will fall an easy prey to him a frog just now plumped into the ditch this must surely be his first day's outing all winter through he lay snugly asleep in the mud below the little birds grow bolder and so long as we remain quiet they pop in and out among the thorny twigs and budding tree sprays but friend piscator it is time we were moving it's getting well towards the noon hour the waters of the broad will lie before us when we get beyond the village pub going inside well we might do worse if we might do better but a jug of hot steaming coffee and some sweet white bread and a bit of cheese will the better befit us for a foray among the perch the genial host is profuse in information and obliging as is the want of his fraternity to the drier portion of his clients sitting in a recess near a blazing log here is dispensed much genuine norfolk jargon and one may overhear the state of village things in general from their agricultural doings down to the very latest particulars about the squire's spaniel's recent litter of puppies piscator somewhat clumsily tumbles himself and his machinery into the boat for he is a heavy as well as an ancient member of the fraternity in a few minutes we are pulling over the rippling surface of the broad by the margin of which we swiftly glide along the coots are making love in the yellow reeds their harsh clicking like the sounds of the driving of stakes being hushed as our right oar crackles among the brittle stems there must be scores of them the moorhens are also on evidence quite a little colony of them flutter hastily into cover trailing their long lobated feet upon the water churning it into little bubbles in their progress as we turn a bend in the interminable array of straight sere reed stems here's a good hard bottom quotha piscator and it's nicely under the lee very good we gently drop our huge flintstone anchors in about ten feet of water and throwing over a little ground bait affix our rods and tackle piscator is loud yet not too loud for suppressed exuberance is essential to success as much as baits in praise of some flat-tailed lobworms which he has had under training in soft damp moss this fortnight we wait not long for a nibble 
our float suddenly disappears in an oblique direction a goodly sized perch has evidently gone away with it we strike and manage to hook our client which strains hard at the line now rushing this way and now the other landing net quickly but piscator's attention is simultaneously called to his own float which has also vanished hey what a beauty he ejaculates as shaking itself furiously his fish rises to the surface cutting the water with its stiff spine dorsal fin and showing its fins of tyrian dye our friend's face is a study as the workings of his mind are depicted upon it it is a knowing perch that manages to outwit him bah the hook has given way and with a swirl of its great tail the fortunate fellow sinks down below to tell no doubt a tale of treachery a three-pounder if a fish at all cries piscator with a relaxed look of disappointment upon his countenance the tension on his line and nerves has slackened simultaneously surely that wounded fellow has made his companions doubtful of our intentions certain it is that biting ceases for a while and by way of variation we take to nibbling on our own account there's nothing like a solace of bread and cheese when a fluke has happened sitting quietly the various birds around us become assured and take but little notice of us the grebes have returned from the estuary they are coyly coquetting not far away what beautiful crests of black and red adorn their noble-looking heads soon they will be piling up those rotting leaves into a platform for their rough dull-shelled eggs who has not peered into a great grebe's egg basket without being struck by the swampy state of it the very eggs barely escaping the water that filters in but they take some finding for the birds are adepts at hiding and such mimics of surroundings are they those little birds that dashed out from the reed bed are willow wrens surely and that loud harsh cry from the tree clump was the note of the wryneck the latter is an unusually early arrival the mallard has already paired off yonder fly a couple the plain duck is being playfully pursued by her handsomer lover some petty difference or maybe the prying of a busy otter put them to flight what a splash they make as they strike the open water and settle there for an amorous gossip the white bald forehead of a coot is seen as it peeps out between the reeds now another more boldly ventures out they are not pleased with our close proximity what a noise yonder rooks are making in the treetops what squabblings over bits of sticks and twigs are indulged in unjust appropriativeness is a vice that is not exclusively human 
a flock of brent geese pass overhead northern bound some bearded tits are surveying the reed clump yonder as much in search of nesting quarters as of seeds or insects the mellow call of a redshank from an adjoining rond is distinctly heard and a pair of lapwings are noisily flying over yonder field you've a bite all right piscator and you've a nibble in giving his rod the wrist a huge sandwich is jerked into the water but what matters that when business is becoming brisk the moorhens will profit by the accident this time we land a fish apiece both sizable specimens as the saying goes two or three others are landed in course of time away goes our float again there's a big fellow at it this time surely we strike him and then begins a game at give and take what a whopper he must be it takes some manoeuvring to bring him to the surface when lo to our surprise we find we are fast to a fair-sized jack the lobworm smote his fancy and we finally lay him panting in the boat the strengthening of the wind brings our finishing cast earlier than it would have been but there is every appearance of an increase in it the air is growing keener on our way back to the stave we nearly clash oars with our old friend the fenman who has been getting in the last few rods of reeds we are sorry to decline his invite to drop in and have a cup of tea for the day is waning apace it is stiff work pulling against the wind and the dark waters are furrowed with foamy billows we miss the starlings from the reeds to-day they have already begun to think of housekeeping in the busier town observe yonder big hawk-like bird what grand sweeps it makes across the reed beds it is a marsh harrier circus eruginosus we are fortunate at seeing such a noble bird it is beating the reeds in search of a supper see a poor little moorhen unluckily taking to flight instead of diving is speedily pounced upon it has struck its needle-pointed talons into the waterfowl and has now settled upon a tussocky promontory that runs out from between the reeds the gamekeeper will be eager to level gun at the outlawed bird when occasion offers for unfortunately it does not always confine its attentions to such worthless game as this at least he says so we have not yet caught sight of the swallows for none have at present arrived the field fares and red wings are missing they have gone back to their northern homes we have not heard the cuckoo for though in march he search in april he shows his bill what ducks are those in the distance some hundred at the least lend us your field glasses piscator they are widgeon 
they are en route for the morasses of colder latitudes but have dropped in for a rest and feed it is tantalizing to the gunner whose right to maim and kill ran out on the last of february and the widgeon is no despicable morsel upon the table we wonder if our old friend the fenman has any scruples upon the matter why here comes the old fellow himself rowing as hard as his toughened arms will allow him we await his coming all right governor but i just thought as how yell might like a tit-bit for your dinner to morrow he ventures to say giving a knowing look at us and another at piscator them old perch ain't come up to a good coxme or widgeon with a onion tucked inside him you can put em under the scaly ones if you fail at all nervous but law sir how kin a feller keep his finger off the trigger when sich a pretty little dinner piece gets in front of his fowlin piece we send the old gent back to the missus in very good spirits and quietly place the birds where he suggested who would condemn us the thing comes about so irresistibly and the most exemplary of us are amateur poachers at the worst and at the best the hunting instinct still lingers in us the last of the rooks has gone home to his roost the sparrows have got over their squabbling for perches and prestige in the ivy the larks have settled in the wheat-field and the partridge is calling his mate in the brushwood as we enter the broadland station well satisfied with our exploits and glad to escape the rain that has begun to pelt down in a drenching shower as we rattle along piscator waxes chatty and even eloquent over the praises of broadland and the habits and characteristics of its finny inhabitants are expatiated upon at length what sport he queries can be so harmless or delightful so gently exciting without tendency to revelry and riot requiring so little exertion of body or incurring such minimum of risk what a trifling expense does it run to and what can be more conducive to health and one's general well-being one gets free from the foul atmosphere of the shop and office away from the worry and cares of business and mind you this a man up to his armpits in business and the worries of everyday life must have relaxation and recreation or a breakdown will come sooner or later a man may here turn his back upon toiling and moiling and enjoy nature in her quiet beauty and retirement to the full his surroundings and gentle pursuit banish dull care away for the time being and he returns home to his duties invigorated and none the worse able to meet life's disappointments and reverses as well as better able to appreciate its blessings i say hooray for the life of an angler and success to the general craft our friend's eloquence 
so far carries him away that oblivious of what his creel contains his hand comes down upon it with a bang when lo in a confused heap tumble tins tackle fish and wildfowl and upon the top of them fall rods and himself as well as he makes a rush to prevent this consummation he has barely placed things in equilibrium when the face of the ticket collector appears at the carriage window and a stentorian voice utters the orthodox and stereotyped tickets gents please End of chapter three